0: breaking news bulletin the buckeyes are back welcome to the podcast it is live at land grant this is also coming to you on delay on tuesday morning we're also coming back to do the podcast daily and drink beer then too uh but welcome we are going to mix everything together on the podcast basically every format we do and we're going to start it with a little bit of version of the daily that's bill landis down there zach boren jeremy birmingham and i am austin ward and zach uh I feel like this has been the longest off-season ever. You ready for some football? It's been really
1: long. You know, I I don't know why. I think maybe it's because the way last year ended with the Michigan game, then the Georgia game, and just things feeling like the the season ended incomplete a little bit. And so – There's obviously been so much talk and uh, so many questions going into this season, especially at the quarterback position that I know everyone around Columbus, myself, is super excited to get this season started, as are the guys over at the Woody. All
0: right, that happens on Saturday at 3.30 against Indiana. Long month of training camp. Bill, uh, are you ready for it to be over?
2: For the season to be over already? No. 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 No, 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 no. Training camp. Uh, I am. I am very much ready for training camp to be over. I agree with Zach. Like it's. It's felt like an exceptionally long off season, and we were really kind of pining for things to talk about throughout a lot of the the winter and spring, and just waiting for camp to arrive. And then camp got here, and it felt like it took forever. I, I, I guess it's because of the the quarterback battle and and all the back and forth on that, and trying to figure out what's going on. But um, it was an emotional end, I think, to the Ohio State season, which made the off season seem a bit longer, perhaps, than it does otherwise. Very much ready for the season to start.
3: How much shorter would the offseason have felt if Ohio State beat Michigan, but still lost to, lost to Georgia? A lot. <laughs> Zach's
0: thinking real hard on this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I that was a tough question. I don't know. Okay, you want to know something? I was like, I was distraught after the Michigan game. Like I, my wife will tell you, I couldn't see. His straight His wife for is a, a Michigan yeah. fan. I know. I'm, I couldn't see straight for a couple days. She was distraught too, though. But there was something about that Georgia game where it was like, you know, the Michigan game, the first half came about, we were dominating, then the second half came, and it was like uh, there was probably to the end of the third quarter, like, this game's probably over with unless a miracle happens. That Georgia game, we were winning the entire game. Like, that game ended, and you're like, how did we lose? How did we lose? Which I think left you even, like, wanting more after that game, whereas the Michigan game it's just like, man. It happens.
3: It's similar, in a way, to the offseason after the 2019 year where you lose to Clemson and you're like, there's no way that the season should have ended when it did how it did. So I, I we watched Ryan Day, that offseason, go to a different level of obsession. Um, it was, some, at times, like, seemed unhealthy, seemed almost urban mirish. And he hasn't had that vibe this offseason. It's been very relaxed. So I'm wondering... From your perspective, Zach, as a guy who's been around coaches like that, does that bother you, or is that something that you think maybe plays to his strengths because that's just who he is as a normal person?
1: I think it definitely bothered him. Um, I think what you saw after 2019, he let more people in to uh, kind of see how much it really bothered him, whereas in this year, I think it's bottled up. I think in the walls of the Woody, he's that same man after 2019 and maybe even tougher Um this offseason than it was then, I've talked to people over there. Um, I've talked to Ryan. I've talked to players. They say this is the hardest offseason they've had in a very long time. So I think behind closed doors in front of the team, he's that same guy and going absolutely crazy and demanding excellence and Uh, making them compete for every little thing. But I think outwardly, especially to the media, I don't think they want him seeing uh, him crack at all, right? Because as media people or the national media or fans, if they see Ryan Day kind of act like Urban, which is outside of his norm, they're going to think it's starting to get to him. They're going to think the last two years are taking a toll of him, and that's just not Ryan. Ryan wants to keep everything bottled in, uh, stay calm, cool, collected, but behind closed doors, that dude's going crazy. All right, when you talk about competing for everything, Zach, that's what
0: August is for. It's a grind. We're going to talk plenty about the quarterbacks later on in the show tonight. Uh, We've got a whole segment, probably two, that we can devote to that, so let's set that one aside. Bill, start with you. We see two practices. I know that Zach went to at least one. That's a pretty small sample size. But from what you've seen and heard, who are you looking at as someone who's going to come out the gate and surprise against Indiana on Saturday?
2: I mean, we've talked about Kenyatta Jackson a lot to this point, so I don't know how much of a surprise he can be um, as we get ready for the opener. But, you know, everyone talked about them having JT Tui and Jack Sawyer back at defensive end, and the assumption was those guys were going to play – most if not all of the meaningful snaps and then something changed you know probably at the start of spring and started to build momentum throughout those 15 practices certainly coming out of it Um, and like he didn't put on a show Kenyatta did in in the spring game I would say that's not really a a stage to do something like that but we just never stopped hearing about him and then you look at him when we get out of practice and he just he moves differently than a lot of the guys do um, at that position and there's some really good athletes there so Um, I I don't know what it's going to look like for him in terms of workload, but uh, I will buy all the hype with Kenyatta. He certainly looks the part. Uh, Whether or not he can match it with this play on the field, I guess, remains to be seen. But, But I am bullish on the idea of him really breaking out this year.
1: Exactly. Is this like an under-the-radar guy, or is this a guy no. that like people are excited to
3: see? Under-the-radar, over-the-radar, wherever but you Everywhere, right? Wherever
1: your radar is. This can be a common theme, I, I think, of my answers tonight, where I'm talking uh-huh. about because I'm most excited. Everyone's excited to see the offense come Saturday, right? Who's the starting quarterback? Offensive line, granted, I think everyone knows what's going to happen there. Loaded wide receiver room, running back room. Everyone's excited to see the, the offense. Are you... I'm excited Uh, to see uh, the defense. The linebacker is
3: going to be excited about the defense.
1: No, no, no. I'm excited to see the defense. And I think, uh, hey, listen, you can win every game if you give up zero points. That's (laughs) the thing. That's That's the thing. I am most excited to see Sonny Styles. Everyone's talking about him. He has all the hype. Um, He's going to be able to do things that I don't think we've ever seen any defender do at Ohio State, from playing in the box, moving back to free safety, matching up against a tight end, almost... Getting close to the line of scrimmage sometimes, blitzing off the edge. like He's going to be able to do so many different things. He's not an under-the-radar guy because everyone knows about him and everyone's excited to see him play on Saturday. But that's my guy. That's who I want to see show up on the film Saturday. I can't believe that Bill just let you have him. Just gave it up. Dude, he tossed it up. Did you buy him that beer? Is that how that worked? I I did.
2: I I thought you were going to talk about Malik Hartford.
1: I was going to talk about Malik Hartford. Hey, Hey, buddy. See, that's why I asked under the radar sure. or over the radar, whatever it might be. My under the
3: radar guy is him. He's been a guy that the people in the program cannot stop talking about. A Freshman safety from Lakota West High School. And he wasn't really a, a huge recruiting win on the trail, according to most people, because he's from Ohio and you expected that he'd be Ohio State. But he has moved up into the conversation. And it's not really a surprise at this point if he ends up starting for Ohio State. And it could be early in the season. A coach I know, one of my good friends, someone I trust
1: very much so, said Malik Hartford's the best freshman DB he's ever seen. And this is a guy who his first stop wasn't at Ohio State. He's been other places and has seen a lot of talented guys. Malik Hartford's the best true
3: freshman DB he's ever seen. Pretty good. Wow. That gives you the same yeah. Maybe got me, face. got me silent. It's easier at safety than it is at corner to, to maybe stand out like that. Yeah, and especially in a defense that's going to allow you to do a lot of different things and be lined up in different spots at safety. Malik Hartford is a hitter like that. That kid likes to hurt people. And I, I personally like if you talk about what scene in the last couple weeks that has me most excited, it's the idea of Malik Hartford, Tony Styles, and C.J. Hicks and all these guys out there at the same time because that's a bunch of just guys who fly around and they are. Much more physical, and I don't like to give too much credit to the SEC, but it's a much more SEC-style athletic profile on the defense if you get those guys out there together.
0: If we're talking about people that surprised me, I don't know if Josh Simmons qualifies for that, but I didn't project that somebody would transfer in from San Diego State and then immediately be switched from right tackle to left tackle. Josh Fryer had played there all throughout spring Thought he was looking pretty good. He talked about the, you know, it was it was rough early on. Now I've got it. I'm really confident. And we all know, talk about the blind side, the importance of that position. And Josh Simmons takes that over. I thought that was not likely to happen, but it did. And I, that tells you how highly Justin Fry thinks about his skill set, how, how much confidence Ryan Day has in him. Because you're talking about not just a new starter there, but Josh Fryer's a new starter on the other side of tackle and Carson Hensman uh, who also you can throw in a little bit in that surprise bucket, even if maybe we thought he would earn that job eventually. Those are you have to watch those three people. That's three starting blockers for a new starting quarterback. Whoever wins it, you can consider even with Kyle McCord having one under his belt. That's a new full time starter. That's a that's a tall task. That's a that's a lot to live up to. Big shoes when you're talking about Paris Johnson and uh, a first round top ten pick. So. He's somebody that you have to watch going into Saturday at Indiana. This this will probably come up in a lot of the segments tonight. You go on the road and you play a Big Ten opponent, and this one in particular that has a coach who is willing to blitz from
1: literally anywhere, that's a lot on the plate of Josh Simmons and Josh Fryer. Well, no doubt, especially a coach that's maybe coaching for his job this year. You know, they, they talk about 2017. Tom Allen opened up his first year as head coach in Indiana against Ohio State. Now this year, going into possibly his last year, he's opening up the season with Ohio State. He's going to do everything possible and throw as much at Ohio State as possible, especially with it being a, a you know, first-time starting quarterback.
0: Bill, when you look at the uh, Sonny Styles equation there and, and how Malik Hartford might fit into it, we've spent I don't know a lot of the last eight months trying to figure out the different permutations at safety. Do you feel like you still have that nailed down going into the weekend?
3: Uh,
2: less so than I did maybe a couple weeks ago. I, I, I think that Sonny is never going to come off the field. I think I I, I know that much. Um, they might move him around depending on the matchups they face, but who else is playing with him, I guess, now is perhaps a little more unclear with the emergence of someone like Malik Harvard with, like, Cameron Martinez as a potential nickel against more difficult passing offenses and, and speedier slot receivers. So I think I think there's two stalwarts. I think it's Lathan Ransom and Sonny Styles. In some iteration, I think the the beauty of those two guys is they can kind of play anywhere, and then you just sort of fit in the pieces around them. But there are more pieces now to consider than I think there were at the start of camp, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Zach, is that right? Maybe I want. Who's going to be the third guy?
1: First team defense runs out Saturday, right? Buckeyes kick off the ball. Okay, kick the ball off.
2: Who's the third guy running out? Right now, I would say Jahad Carter. Probably, I would say Cam Martinez. See, I think Jihad Carter would be, like, number four
1: on my list. I don't know why. I don't have any information. I just do. I think... Indiana's yeah, going to throw the
3: ball around a lot. No doubt In my but mind, I think but I think, I think, but I think if
1: anything from a... If they're saying, hey, uh, seniority rules here, Josh Proctor will we'll run out there, right? If I think they go, hey, skill, we want to get some guys, reps underneath their be- belt, I think Malik Harford's that guy. I think he'll run out there. If it's another thing where, hey, we want to get guys playing time, uh, it very well could be Cam Martinez. I just don't know. You know, John Carter was injured during the spring for a long time. He was injured some in fall camp. I don't know if he's going to know the defense like some of those other guys. Well, and, you know, Malik Hartford is a true freshman, but his
3: ball skills just jump out at you every time you watch him play. I think it's going to be Cam Martinez, but I think to your point about Malik Hartford – that it's easier to put him out there if you have him out there with Lathan Ransom and Sonny Styles to to kind of be the the guardians of what he's doing. You don't want to put him out there with two other guys that have not played a lot. Obviously, Lathan Ransom is the most experienced guy in that group. So you put him out there. Sonny hasn't played a lot, but we all expect big things. But he, he can move around so much that it doesn't really matter where he's at.
1: I also think it's different if you're playing at Notre Dame week one, right? If this game's at Notre Dame, it's completely different. You're putting different guys out there. With it being at Indiana and you want to get some guys some confidence for what's going to come four weeks from now when you got Sam Hartman throwing the ball around, you need to get some guys some reps. All right. We can talk a lot more about that as we roll along.
0: We know you want to hear about the quarterbacks, and we will talk about them in a little bit. We're going to switch things up, get a taste of uh, the Kings of Columbus podcast with Doug Maurice and Bill Landis, the three of us are going to step aside for a little bit, take a quick break, and we'll be back. We're going to talk about the quarterbacks after Doug and Bill.
4: All right, we're back on the podcast, Doug Maurice, Bill Landis. We're going to talk about Ohio State talent, Landis, because we like to put Ohio State into a little bit of a bigger context. We did some research comparing this Ohio State talent to past Ohio State teams and to some other contenders this year. I was a little surprised by my research. What did you think of your research? I mean, they're they're always good, right? I, the, the
2: baseline talent at Ohio State is more or less always where it needs to be to win a national championship. It is better than maybe I was anticipating when I did this
4: research. So let me do a little survey here to our uh, loyal fans who have turned out here at Land Grant Brewing. I did the top 24 players. On Ohio State and Georgia, this year, top 12 guys on each side of the ball expected to play. Their average recruit rating, okay? if you, So I'm going to ask, do you think Georgia has a better overall recruit rating for the guys we expect to play? Or does Ohio State have a better overall recruit rating for the guys we expect to play? If you think Georgia has a better recruit rating, make some noise. All right. We got a, there's a Georgia fan back there. Some people who are realistic. It's like, I don't know. Maybe it's the two time defending national champs. That might be the correct answer. If you think Ohio State has a better player rating, make some noise. Okay. So, so now it's ruined. So everyone's supposed to be like, oh, it's definitely the two time defending national champ who win the recruiting battles all the time. So I don't know, Landeth, is these people are smarter than I expected or that they just vote for the Buckeyes and anything you put out there? I think you telegraphed it. Did I telegraph it? I, do I have to go back? All right. Three, two, one. We'll try that again. And now you guys be surprised when I say that by my accounting, Georgia, their average player rating by recruiting for the guys who should play this year is 224. So the 224th best player in a recruiting class. Ohio State's is 151. So Ohio State is significantly better in the recruiting ratings of the guys who are expected to play compared to Georgia. So I, at times, you said Ohio State always has enough talent to win the national title. I would say the last couple of years, I have been uncertain of that. I don't know if I have agreed with that since 2019, are you surprised by these numbers for this year? No. Um, the
2: 2018 and 2019 recruiting classes, 2018 was ranked really well, um, but didn't really pan out, and we're sort of on the tail end of that now. Uh, 2019 was okay, small class. 2020, you started to see a little bit of an uptick in recruiting. Now, a lot of that was offensive leaning. It was receivers and quarterbacks mostly. 2021 and 2022 we're two of the best recruiting classes we've seen at Ohio state. So it's the second and third year players on this roster rising up. A lot of them starting or playing contributing roles. So no, that all makes sense to me, but it is, it is a point worth making that Ohio state's baseline talent is always where you want it to be. How many of those guys are actually contributing like that? The guys who are raising that average, how many of them are going to play some years? That number is pretty low. People talk about wanting to play freshmen and sophomores more. I think that's what you're talking about this year. All those guys who you were asking to play as true fresh and maybe you were frustrated that some of them didn't play.
4: A lot of them are going to play, and that's why this number is what it is. We've talked about that, that we, we think a key, for instance, to Zach's excitement about the defense for Ohio State is there is a baseline there, right? There's so many guys who are back, Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers and guys that you can rely on, Denzel Burke, Denzel Burke has played a gazillion snaps for a guy who's a true junior. But you think about elevating that defense, and I think you think about guys with a recruiting pedigree who are going to maybe, by the middle and end of the year, become the best players on that defense because now Tommy Eichenberg's great. But if you're dropping Sonny Styles and Jordan Hancock and Kenyatta Jackson and guys like that on top of a baseline of talent, I think there's a chance that this talent, when we're talking about this, this was spurred by an email that I got from a listener, and I'm sorry I'm not giving you credit, but you know who you are, who said that he, they listened to what Landis and I did when we made our picks, and they said, I think you guys believe Ohio State's the most talented team in the country, but you're afraid to say it. And I don't think... I think that's what I thought when we made those picks. But do you think Ohio State's the most talented team in the country? They have a
2: compelling argument. Yeah, I I think they might be. Because um, even if you if you stack them up against some of the teams that are the more trendy national championship picks, LSU, Florida
4: State, like those teams don't stack up at all. Sheer talent with Ohio you State. You looked up Florida State just to make my pick look terrible. I did. I picked Florida State to win the national championship, and we got here and you said their blue chip ratio stinks. What's wrong with you? It's 41%? Why do you say it? You don't have to say it to them. Just say it to me. You already said it to me. I know it's terrible. I feel bad about my pick now. It's half of Ohio State's. It's half. They're half as good. If they played Ohio State, they would lose 80 to 40. They're half as good as Ohio State, and i picked them to win the national title.
2: Thanks, Landis. Good job. I picked LSU, and LSU is uh, 71%, so more respectable, but still...
4: Sixteen percent less than Ohio State. So here's the real question. I have felt the last couple years that there, and I think we all saw it. There was a recruiting dip in the crossover from Urban Meyer to Ryan Day. There was a couple assistant coaches in there who maybe their recruiting wasn't up to par. You know, you Jeff Halfley leaves and you lose
2: Billy Davis. Billy Davis. Billy Davis.
4: I'm not here to call people out, just you, but. But yes, there are people that they weren't going out and winning national battles for some of the people they needed to win national battles for. You have Clark Phillips, Jeff Halfley leaves, Clark Phillips decommits. That's an issue. So we know how it didn't work. I think... I think for the first time, probably since I, I wouldn't even say it with the 2020 team because some of the teams they were so good in certain spots it made up for things. I think it's the first time since 2019 where mostly across the board they are talented enough to do it. I don't. We'll talk. We have talked about offensive line. There's maybe it's not a million other places you go beyond that. You got to figure out quarterback, but I. I think it is back to a standard. I think it is back to an Ohio State standard. And I think whenever we talk about where they their coaching issues the past couple of years, can you call a better game? Jim Knowles in year one, a lot of those things. I think we have to keep in mind, I think there was a legitimate talent dip, especially in the back half of the defense, the back seven that affected them. And I think that's over. And if that's over, then what's holding them back maybe nothing
2: i think that's why there's so much angst about like the 2023 recruiting class and a 24 class not whether or not it's going to be good whether or not the the talent will be dispersed throughout the positions and not revert to being so receiver heavy and quarterback heavy because we know that's going to be good it's can you get like dudes on the defensive side of the ball they did that in 2021 and 2022 i think they did that for the most part in 23 a couple misses here or there, obviously defensive end safety um they seem to be more on the right track with 24 and if that i agree with you if that's the case like those are the spots i think secondary defensive line a little bit of offensive line everything else i think sort of takes care of itself um, because they're so good at recruiting those positions so if you get that rolling then you're this every year
4: Top 100 national recruits among the guys who are going to play, Georgia 11 of 24, Ohio State 12 of 24. So if you take anything away from this show, tell your friends, Philly Billy and French Vanilli told me that Ohio State is more talented than Georgia, right? And that's it. Thanks, to everybody, for coming out. We're going to end right there. You end, right? Leave them wanting more. Ohio State, more talented than Georgia, boom. They are So blue chip ratio, right? Blue chip ratio is not gospel. You guys know what blue
2: chip ratio is? It's like four and five star prospects. You have 65% or higher to be in contention for a national championship. So it's the
4: percent of your overall roster that is four and five star players, right? Correct.
2: Georgia is 77% and Ohio State is 85%.
4: Oh, so everybody already knew that too? I'm coming in and dropping Ohio State is more talented than Georgia and you literally just said the whole world already knew that. Yes, Is Ohio State's 85% number one? No. (laughs) Alabama's 90. Uh, But Alabama doesn't have a quarterback. Alabama has no quarterback. Did you see the thing? Everybody on ESPN's pregame show picked Alabama to win the SEC. And I have seen multiple people pick Alabama to win the national title this year. And I think they're all nuts.
2: I think that is... The belief that once we all start to doubt Nick Saban, that's like when he becomes his best, which I don't necessarily disagree with, but I don't like making picks to like so I can say like "haha, I was right in the end." Like I try to actually project what I think will will happen in a college football
4: season. And Bama's going nine and three, so I don't know what we're doing here. Does anyone have Nick Saban's phone number so we can call him and say that Landis said they're going nine and three in twenty twenty. After Bama lost to LSU and LSU won the national title and took all their juice, I was very much on the lookout for Angry Bama. And then Angry Bama steamrolled with maybe Nick Saban's best team. I do not think this is Angry Bama. I think this is like wounded Bama. I think this is perhaps like not losing it, but uh, not what they once were, Bama. And now listen, they have, is it Dylan Lonergan's like the fourth quarterback? Super young guy that everyone's all excited about. They're gonna have another five star. Like quarterback things are real. You would take Ohio State's quarterback battle a hundred times out of a hundred compared to the Bama quarterback battle. So we just wanted to take a swipe at Bama. We don't think they're gonna be that good.
2: Can I ask you a question?
4: Yeah. Are we getting angry Ohio State? Yeah, no, I buy that. So they were you guys were talking about it. Like I I think after losing. So there's a Taylor Swift song. I call it the Taylor Swift Halloween song because it sounds like a Halloween song to me. And it's the one where Taylor Swift says like, oh, Taylor's not here right now. She's dead. You guys know that Taylor. Everyone heard of Taylor Swift? You guys know who Taylor Swift is, right? Liberty knows who Taylor Swift is. So like, right, that's the Ryan Day. Like Ryan Day is like, if you called Ryan Day right now, Ryan Day would be like, Ryan Day's not here right now. Ryan Day is dead. Because Ryan Day 1.0... Cease to exist after losing to Michigan twice in a row. Doug, it's look what you made me do. Bring it home. Come on. Look, look what you made me. Look what you made me do. That's what gets you up on the stage. It's like a, if I say a Taylor Swift song name incorrectly, Austin's like, I can't stand for this. Look what I'm going to ask. A look what you made me do. Question to Ryan Day very specifically tomorrow. Ryan, hey, yeah, uh, did you die after the Michigan game? So this that's Ryan Day 1.0. This is the new Ryan Day. This is Ryan Day 2.0. Because you lose to Michigan twice in a row, and there's some segment of the fan base that once you fired the next day, and it is an awakening of like, this is what this is. And not that you didn't know, but you knew. And everything since then is the new version of Ryan Day, which is like a game plan that's designed to beat Georgia that I think you can take into the Michigan game. And so this is the new world. And so when I call that like angry Ohio State, yes, like angry Ohio State led by zombie Ryan Day, who's back from the dead. And I think like all of that might be very good for them.
2: Like a more energetic, like kinetic, not, not the slow
4: moving... Dumb zombies. No, no, the scary zombies. Scary. scary, scary. Yeah, the zombies that'll get you. fast, Fast zombies. So we also like to compare... Fast zombies. We also like to compare Ohio State to itself. It's the best standard to judge Ohio State. Ohio State 2014 national champions, average recruit rating of the 24 guys who played the most snaps on each side of the ball, 237. 237th ranked player in the country. This Ohio State team, 151... Those 24 guys for Ohio State that played in 2014, six of them went on to be first-round draft picks. Four of them went on to be second-round draft picks. So 10 of your top 24 guys are taken in the first two rounds of the draft. Little shorthand, little pre-show shorthand, I got maybe 10 guys that are playing for this team, top 24 guys, that I think could be first or second-round picks out of this group. Name them, please. In order... No, you know who they are. Everybody knows who they are. Sonny Styles, and then like Sonny Styles 10 times, whatever. Like, like Sonny Styles, Sonny Styles. I hope what we're doing to this man, he's 18. And everybody's like, you're the best Buckeye ever, aren't you? And he's like, yeah, I think I might be. He's very cool and calm about it, but we have to be a little careful. They have talent across the board, both sides, bottom line, comparing Ohio State to what's out there now, which is the most important thing, and comparing Ohio State to the last team that won a national title here. I think the talent is on, at the very least, on par and maybe even better if it all peaks. And I think it's worth reminding people of that because as much as you can take it for granted at a place like Ohio State, I don't think you could take it for granted the last couple of years, and I think it's back.
2: I agree that it's back. I think in some places it's better. A lot, of, Quite a few places it's better, and it's better probably at the most important position. No offense to Cardell. Cardell's a legend. I understand that. The standard of the position has changed since he won that national title. It's like the one thing you don't worry about. The thing that that is keeping people, I think, nationally from embracing the idea of Ohio State being a national championship-worthy team this year is the thing that I don't think anybody in Columbus actually worries about, which is who's going to be the starting quarterback. Whoever it is, and we'll talk about
4: it, I think, in the next segment, uh, is going to be good. We are going to talk about it in the next segment right after this. Ohio State... We have coaching things to think about. We have specific parts of the team. The schedule is the schedule. They play some real opponents this year, which isn't always the case, but the talent is there. We'll be back with a quarterback segment next on the podcast.
0: All right. Welcome back in another segment on the podcast, the podcast daily, Kings of Columbus, Snappy Jays. It's all in one tonight. We're going to get into the quarterbacks as promised. So Zach, uh, you have to have somebody take the first snap, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, oh, I think this is off. Try now, yeah, Zach. You, you turned me off, Berm. Well. He was trying to silence my mic. Impossible. Cannot silence Zach Boren. My voice, I could probably talk without a yeah, mic up I here. I thought we were going
0: to be fine anyway.
1: I know. Um, someone has to run out and take the snap. For sure. Um, so... F- are we going like, who's going to be the starting quarterback throughout season or the season? Who is nap. running out and taking the first snap? Let's just start with well, start somewhere. Nap, Kyle McCord. He is running out and taking the first snap. Now, is he going to start game two? Is he going to get most of the offensive snaps this Saturday? That I don't know. But running out, taking the very first snap of the 2023 Ohio State football season will be Kyle McCord.
0: Do you like the idea of them both playing on Saturday against Indiana?
1: I love the idea of both of them playing. I actually love the idea of both of them playing the first three games. I do not like the idea of a two-quarterback system going to Notre Dame. Uh, things have to be se- settled by the end of the Western Kentucky game. Just has to be. Um it, it, if you can't figure out who the starting quarterback in, is in camp, and I've been in camp where it's like, man, guys look great. One day it looks like Brett Favre, you know. The other day it looks like I love the guy, but Joe Bowserman, you know what I'm saying? Like not, wow. to, yeah. I mean, not to take a We're swing just throwing in haymakers. Those, those, those are love, two love polar Joe. ends of perspective the right love there. Joe. But um, you know, I think it's so hard in training camp as well because quarterbacks aren't allowed to scramble. Right, They're always wearing the black jersey. Defenders are always um, so hesitant to get close to them. When you're playing the same offense over and over and over again, you're going to start jumping on stuff. I mean, as any defender, you're going to try and cheat the system right, and overplay things. So you're only going to be able to get a full 100% view of what they're able to bring to the team in this offense when it's live action.
3: The way I look at it is this, though. You can play two quarterbacks in two different ways. So Ohio State can play both quarterbacks this Saturday against Indiana, and I think we'll see a, a fairly even number of snaps for both of them against IU. The question is, after that, what do you do against Youngstown State and Western Kentucky? Do you play a full game for each of them and tell them heading into the week, hey, this week it's Devin's, this week it's Kyle's, or do you continue to rotate them? I think I personally would prefer that they go the route of saying, play the whole game. Kyle, you get Youngstown State, and Devon, you get Western Kentucky. And then figure it out from there. I don't believe that right now the adage of if you have two quarterbacks, you have none, is applicable to Ohio State. I think if you get to the Notre Dame game and you're still doing this, then maybe that becomes a little bit more true.
0: I think. I, sorry, Zach. I, I want to argue with Berm about this. Yes. I don't think that that works. If if this battle is as even as Ryan Day has said throughout camp, and and I may have been slow to recognize that that he was actually telling the truth and. But I, I didn't believe it as much as I should have. We'll set all that aside. But if it if I'm taking him at his word now, one pulls ahead, the other comes back, runs back, takes the lead, and they're going back and forth, and you believe that it's even, well, playing Western Kentucky and playing Youngstown State are not even. And one of those people would still have to be the quarterback at Notre Dame. So if you played week two, next week, next guy doesn't do as well. It doesn't matter the order, whoever, whoever makes the most of that, and then they have a week off before going to play – at Notre Dame, I don't like it. I think if you're trying to make the situation as comparable and the playing field as level as you can possibly make it, which is what they've done throughout camp and what they saw, what we saw in spring ball, you have to say, well, you both have to play against the same opponent, and then we're going to measure like for like. Doug, who's right?
4: Zach is right.
1: Damn it! Well, he always is. Football. He always. Thank you, Doug. I had a third opinion off of these guys, but go okay. ahead. Well, go with your third
4: opinion. That's also probably so right. It'll be right. Yeah. No,
1: no, no. My, my third opinion is uh, this weekend against Indiana, I very well could see it every other series, switching every other series. That was uh, awful. If, if someone's in the flow, if someone's in the flow, I, I don't like it. I do not like it at all, but I could very well see it happening that way. Now, come Western Kentucky, Youngstown State, I don't think it's this person play the game, that person play the game. What I think you do is say, hey, you've got two or three series, then you've got two or three series. So, Because if someone's playing the whole game, like like, uh, Austin said, two completely different opponents, two completely different skill sets, I don't think you see uh, the full dynamic and what they're able to do because of that. I think you have, but but I don't like the series by series. I, and I also don't like the half by half because if you're blowing out Youngstown State and blowing out Western Kentucky, the person who's taking the second half is probably more than likely playing with backups. Right, Lincoln Keenholz
3: should be playing at that point.
1: Correct, Lincoln should be playing. Right, my, my favorite of the three. But no, I'm just kidding. Do we want to go there? We there? Is, oh, no. well, is this Zach, a Lincoln Keenholz You podcast said Zach now? is
4: right, so you welcomed this. Um, It's not Lincoln Keenholz. Good try. It might be later, though. You, dude, you want to do 30 seconds on Lincoln Keenholz? you think he's going to no, no, be no, a he, starting quarterback eventually at Ohio State uh, in his I, career? I
1: 100% do. I think he... Uh, Let's just go
4: straight to Lincoln Keenholz, no, no, no. Air Nolan. Whatever yeah, happened no, this
1: no, year no, no. I I think, I think Lincoln's going to be great. Is he going to be a starting quarterback this year? No. Uh, I know they've got a lot of very high expectations for him. He's a, what, four-sport athlete. I think three of them, he was All-State. Um, I mean, just unbelievable competitor. Uh, j- just that kind of guy that people can get behind. And when you go out there with the athletic ability, the competitiveness, I mean, I don't know if you've seen his film of the basketball games in high school or baseball. I mean, he's just kind of that trash talker guy that everyone loves to play for. So I think at Ohio State, it doesn't matter who you bring in in the years to come, Lincoln Keyholtz gonna, is going to be a dude here one day that's starting quarterback.
3: But he's not the dude this weekend.
4: No, he's not the dude this year either. That was, it was a joke. Or so Doug,
3: who's the dude this weekend?
4: So... My guess is it's going to be what you guys are going to talk about. I think it's going to be chunk by chunk. I would be – Kyle McCord's going to start, I'm almost sure. And I think he'll play two or three series. And then I think Devin Brown will play two or three series. And I think we're going to see that not prescribed exactly, not one series back and forth, not quarter by quarter. But I also think they want to make sure they're not creating a scenario where – It feels like if a guy makes a mistake, he's yanked. And they also, I think they want to make sure guys don't try too hard to make plays. I think that is the main thing on their mind because Ryan Day has talked a lot about just make the routine plays, man. Like, get at the Marv, and we're good. The so I think chunk problem, by chunk. Right? The yeah, 2015 I, I, problem. Yes.
1: I, I get what you're saying, but I'm also going to argue that point a little bit because one of the knacks on these quarterbacks, and I'm not going to say who, but one of the knacks on, on one of these quarterbacks is he plays it too safe. He doesn't take the chances. I think Ryan Day wants to force one of these guys to take chances. So it's like, go make that play. Go make that big throw. Like, In in spring ball and training camp, this guy was taking the check down, taking the easy way out. And at some point's like, dude, we we gotta take some shots. We gotta throw the ball down the field. We gotta fit a ball in tight windows. If the look isn't there right away, get to your second or third read and still work down the field instead of automatically, if your first read's not there, go into your fourth read, which is your check down of either your tight end or your running back out of the backfield.
0: One thing I do like about this, which I don't two weeks ago I wouldn't have said this, I don't think. Zach brought it up, where as long as you get through the first three weeks and you make a permanent decision to get ready for Notre Dame and say, this is the guy, this is the plan, this is the offense, what I what I like about it for the team, the fans, myself, the media, like there's not going to be any guesswork. A lot of this, we get to watch two practices in fall training camp. And I'm going to steal a page from what Zach just did. One of these two guys had probably his two worst practices of camp when I was in there and that's informed some of my thinking and and opinions about how this battle would play out well that's not fair to that person if he had 19 20 23 other good days uh, if you go out there now and you show everybody when the live bullets are flying we can all see it there's not going to be any other way to interpret it the numbers are going to be out there the game film is going to be on broadcast to the world we'll all be able to see it and I, I hope that this means that not just that it's apparent for ryan day but that everyone else can say well that guy earned the job there's no uncertainty about it and you don't have to argue and say i don't know i like this guy better what are you basing it off of i don't know i just heard good things about his athleticism or his poise in the pocket or whatever else we're gonna know after three weeks and i like that a lot more i'll be okay with that whatever however it goes i don't care who wins Ohio State needs to have the best quarterback to put them in
4: position to win a national championship. It does not matter who it is. Zero percent chance that both quarterbacks play against Notre Dame. Do we all agree on that? Zero percent. No, I I won't say zero percent.
1: I think there will be a true starter for Notre Dame. I hope it does not go this way. I really hope. If we're three or four series into the game and Ohio State is not looking good on offense, the other quarterback will play. If that
3: happens, no. Ohio State has bigger problems. No,
1: no, no doubt, no doubt, and that's kind of what I'm getting at. So don't say zero chance because you very well could go into South Bend, Indiana, 7:30 p.m. primetime game, and if the Ohio State offense isn't moving the ball and Sam Hartman takes you know 14 on him real quick, and there's not much excitement, they will. D- Coach Day will throw in the other quarterback. He just will. Now, I hope we do not get to that point.
3: You two are both huge Sam Hartman fans, so I think you're both expecting that to be Ace. No,
1: I I actually don't. I think Notre Dame, uh, I think a lot of the national media, I think a lot of Ohio State fans, after watching them this past Saturday against Navy, thinks they are a much tougher opponent than what people originally thought. But I'm here to tell everyone it's Navy who is god awful, and uh, I wish they were. I thought better, I but you that. Thank you for the it, service. It's, it's not. It's not the same. Yeah, it's not the same Navy of four or five years ago that was a solid opponent. Um, it, it's not that same team. Let
3: me ask you this: as, as a guy who watched players around you go through a quarterback competition, how do you avoid the pitfall of trying to make big plays, of trying to do too much, because that. I think, you know, as I was brought up earlier, that's one of the things that heading into this weekend that I think will be a differentiator between you guys. Who's willing to just step up there and make the smart play, play solid football without being risky? And now, we, we expect Indiana to be sort of bad, but at the same time, you're, Ohio State's been trailing at halftime the last four times they opened the season on the road. So this is a situation where the clock is moving a little faster because of the new rules. So, I mean, how do you avoid a guy going out there and just trying to do too much?
1: I don't think it's trying to do too much Is you'll see the offense and coach state gravitate to the guy who's actually more relaxed, the guy who's taken what's there, the guy who's playing with a little bit of swagger, the guy who's playing freely. Like you can, you can see the difference of a guy who's tensed up trying to make the big play or a guy that's actually just like, Hey, I'm going to ball. I'm going to sling it. I'm going to trust myself. I've got maybe the best weapons in the entire country. When you package the wide receiver and running back duos, I mean, uh, yeah, it's going to be that guy. So you're not going to see a quarterback, man, be be super uptight and say, I got to take a shot down the field to Marv within the first series because it's Marvin Harrison. That's what everyone wants to see. If you have that, that quarterback's going to get pulled and they'll go to the other guy. I think that's the real
0: equalizer for Ohio State is that whoever wins this quarterback job gets to throw to Marvin freaking Harrison. And on the other side, he's got a Mecca Puka and Julian Fleming. And in the backfield, he's got Travion Henderson. Like, you forgot about Carnot Tate Well, and I could have Price. kept going. Xavier Johnson, <laughs> yeah. Cade Stover, Joe Royer, G. Scott. I mean, this team has so many weapons. We talked early on about the offensive line, and the quarterbacks are going to have every resource available to them that anyone could ever want. And so some of this where you talk, Zach, about if there's a conservative guy and he checks it down, like, he's playing against Ohio State's defense all of August, too, and like they, they're... You reference what it's like to go through a training camp. And guys are jumping routes, and JT Tui Molo was coming at you. Like, it's hard. Everything's about to get a lot easier for whoever wins the quarterback job based on the opponents they're playing and the fact that they have the best, more talent than Georgia, I was told in the previous segment. So that seems like it might help whoever wins that job.
1: Uh, yeah, here's the other thing. I, uh, I, I don't know if I want to say this or not. Do it. I, 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 you know, I could almost guarantee – that the first five plays on offense are all run plays. I can almost guarantee that. So when this team is running the football and being able to run the ball the way they that I saw that they could in, in camp, and I know that they will against Indiana, Youngstown State, Western Kentucky, those throws are going to be open on the back end. When you start gashing teams wide open and you let those running backs just find the creases, and, and uh, hit some big gains, it's going to be a lot easier to throw the football. All right. Well, that sets us up perfectly. We're about
0: to start uh, shifting gears, and Doug wants to start previewing the game already. It's late August, but it's never too early to talk about the rivalry. We're going to take a quick break. be right back with more on the podcast.
4: Welcome back to the podcast. I don't know if you guys could hear uh, what Zach was saying before we came back. Doug Murray Austin Ward, Bill Landis, Zach Bourne. Zach, you have a quarterback package for Cade Stover this year. I
0: think you wanted to keep that private. I them. did. I, no, you know, there's, that, that was <laughs> like a secret. If you come
4: out to the show, yeah. there are no secrets among friends. People are drinking beer. They're hanging out. You got to tell them. till this gets out. You know, I was like, if the
1: quarterbacks go south, I've seen Cade Stover throw a football. I've seen him play softball. He plays shortstop, has a great arm. They're going to the go Tebow package with Cade Stover. Let him throw it. Get him back in the backfield. I mean, it's going to be unstoppable. I thought it would just be another role for C.J. Hicks and Sonny Styles. <laughs> well,
0: we are we are officially where's, at... Where's Berm? Berm wants to show the Cameron Martinez touchdown reel for the other option to go in at quarterback.
4: How Lincoln Keenholtz and Cade Stover led Ohio State to a national title over less talented Georgia. Uh, that's, I, w- I think, the summation of the show so far. I'd watch that movie. All right, so we're going to talk about the game. Before we do, I want to get a quick survey from our loyal fans here. Your two choices are this on the quarterback conversation. You're confident that it's going to work out, or you're a little worried about the Ohio State quarterback situation. Let's make some noise for confident it's all going to work out. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And don't, Give the side eye to people who might clap here. We're being honest. If you're a little worried about the Ohio State quarterback situation, make some noise. Okay, this guy seems we. He's selling honest. Okay, oh, my wife put her hands up. That's not. Yeah, good. that's okay. So it was probably like she doesn't believe me either. Eighty-five, fifteen, maybe. So more confidence than worry, but I don't think worried is completely. <laughs> I think you're being too
2: generous. Or a guy. It irrational. was like
4: ninety one. Yeah. I know there was two guys. do this guy and this guy. Uh, I
1: think everyone should be worried until Saturday, Come Saturday at like five 30, everyone should be worried until then. That's fair. Michigan game,
4: two choices. You're confident. You feel good about where Ohio state is getting ready to play Michigan this year. And the other choice is you're worried about the Michigan game. Make noise. If you're confident about Ohio state in the game. And, there's, and now if you're worried about Ohio State in the Michigan game. Okay. okay. Worried well, hold, hold on, Doug. But don't you all always worry about the game? That's what I was no. told. Not when like Rich Rollins was never here. turn it off. Don't like, act like you were worried when Brady Hoke was here. Nobody not, was worried then. I'm not saying hey, I, I was,
1: was worried. I got beat by him. <laughs> what are you talking you about? You did it.
4: You I did. got beat by Brady Hoke. No, I know. And then you stood over the guy no, and I, made look down on the guy I and made worried. a trash can out of it. No, it you're fine. You're nothing to be worried about. You're good the game. Zach, do you believe that Ohio State needed to change things in how they attack Michigan in their mindset going into the game? Did they need to make changes for the 2023 version of the game? And if so, do you believe they have or they will?
1: Um, I, I think they only needed one change, and I don't know if that change is schematically. I don't think it's a personnel thing. I think it's simply a toughness thing. You look back at the 21 game in Ann Arbor. You look back at 22. J.J. McCarthy uh, you know, made, what, two big passes in last year's game, but it was really the run game which burst things open. Uh, And I would actually argue that it's what opened up the long pass to the tight end late in the third quarter. I think when you go up to Ann Arbor this year, the defensive line needs to buck up. The linebackers need to buck up. It is a simply toughness thing because Michigan's going to want to line up and run right at you. That is Jim Harbaugh's M.O. When he gets into a big game, it's not I'm not going to open things up and try and uh, score all these points. It's we're going to play great defense and we're going to run the ball at you and try and dominate the line of scrimmage. So you look at this offseason, what's Ryan Day do? What coach Mickey Marotti do in the weight room? They concentrated on toughness and competing. And that's what it was all about. And so all it is, when you get to the Saturday of Thanksgiving this year, it's a mindset going into that game. And that's the biggest difference.
0: I think in some ways, Doug, that Ryan Day took that toughness message way too far last year. And that sounds like an insane thing to suggest about a football program or a head coach. They all, as Zach is saying, want you to be the toughest and best version of yourself. But I think that the born on third base comment really irritated Ryan Day in a way that he started alluding to a little bit more this summer that like, I got I got too obsessed. I, I focused on maybe some of the wrong things. I I had to prove something that was a little bit out of character. And I think the problem wasn't last year that, in my opinion, Zach, that they weren't tough enough. Like in the first half, they definitely were. And they missed some opportunities on offense that I think the play calling was out of character for Ryan day. I think he spent a lot of last year trying too hard to say every third and two, we're going to smash mouth line up and go get it on the ground when at their best. Well, it's fourth and one. It's against Clemson in a college football playoff semifinal. Watch this. We're going deep. Like some of that, I think he lost himself trying to prove something specific about himself to Jim Harbaugh. And the rest of the team, I think, had closed some of the toughness gap. Now, maybe I am wrong about that. Uh, certainly in the third and fourth quarter, you look at what happened and, and it dissipated and got away from them pretty quickly. But if they don't miss one tackle, if they don't blow one coverage, that game would look really, really different last year. And I, Maybe the toughness you're talking about is a four-quarter thing, and we could, we could shake hands and agree on that. But I think last year came down to more of a schematic and more of a coaching issue that I thought Ryan Day did fix in time for the Peach Bowl and, and nearly had them in position one play away to go win a national championship. And as long as that lesson is learned by Ryan Day, I think everything else will take care of itself. And I am betting
1: that it will. But see, uh, you make great points, phenomenal points. But I would argue that your points are all on the offensive side of the ball. You come to play call, and you talk about just being tense and not taking chances when when you should. You've got, in my opinion, if if Michigan or if Ohio State beats Michigan, you might have the Heisman Heisman Trophy winner in CJ Stroud. If he goes out and does what he can instead of kind of getting embarrassed on a national stage, he might be your Heisman Trophy winner. But you became very conservative. When you look at the defense side of the ball, I was in Ann Arbor in 21, right behind uh, the visitor's bench, and I literally saw kind of the defeated look on Ohio State's guys' faces. They have their heads down. They're just not... It, it was that toughness that you look for, right? Instead, when you come off the, the to the sideline and you give up a touchdown, especially when someone runs it right down your throat, are your shoulders up? Are you like, hey, let's go come at me again, wipe the blood off my mouth and go attack them? Or do you tuck your tail and I you saw that in 21 and you saw that a little bit in last year in the second half and that's the I'm from the defensive standpoint it's the mindset of hey listen they're gonna run it right at us we're gonna be bleeding from the mouth there's gonna be stock coming out of our noses everything's that, what are we gonna do right when there's that deciding play whether it be a third and short fourth and short in the second half it's gonna be a close game regardless right it's the game what happens? What do you do?
4: Can can this be both? Landis, can it be a bigger toughness discussion for Ohio State's defense? And then for Ohio State's offense, can it be more about exploiting the skill advantage they have and making sure that they're trying to win the game with Marv and Emeka and Travion?
2: Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I, I think I am more aligned with Austin here, which... Well, I rare win I think I, I'm gonna be a Zach then I'm with Zach, but, I'm with Zach. like a smart play right there here's here's the thing about it like they didn't beat us that way they beat us a different way the second year like that's not good <laughs> like, that's, a, that's still a problem that they figured out a different way to beat you they they smacked you in Ann Arbor you came back I think you did answer that call a little more in terms of the toughness better weather team wasn't sick whatever um they found another way to beat you they they, I think they did out scheme them I think that uh Jesse Minter, the new defensive coordinator, kind of picked up where Mike McDonald left off in terms of having a good game plan against Ryan Day's defense. And Michigan's offense figured out a way to use Jim Knoll's hyper-aggressiveness against him. Uh, It was a little bit of a combination of we're going to out-tough you and out-scheme you, but I think it was more of the latter this past year and more of the former two years ago. The result is you still lost two different ways, and you got to come correct in both regards in Ann Arbor this year. So I like... You can be confident, I guess, that they're going to beat Michigan because you're an Ohio State fan. Maybe you should be. Um, but that does not inspire a lot of confidence in me that they found a way to lose two different ways the last two years.
4: Zach, do you believe, from an intangible standpoint, this toughness? I mean, obviously, that's part of it. Do you think Ohio State's heads will be right for that game in late November? 100%. Um, you, I, I hate to beat this guy,
1: but at some point, Michigan had to win. Right at some Agreed. point, it's it's the greatest rivalry in all of sports, and you look at the run from, gosh, what basically two thousand, right, two thousand till you know, even through this past year, Michigan had to come back and, and win in this rivalry, and they did in twenty one in a very big way. So you go into twenty twenty two, and I agree, there was a lot of pressure on those guys. Those guys were like, man, we got beat for the first time in a while and got manhandled up in the big house. We're supposed to come out and win this game, and do I think they played a little bit tight? Yes, but at some point, I almost think going into this game they're relaxed, right? You've lost two years in a row. It's kind of like, hey, this isn't uh, this isn't a, a win or die type thing. And, and I'm not saying it in that way, but last year it was almost like, hey, we we got our ass beat. We have to be able to win this game, especially at home. Now you're going on the road. You've gotten beat two years in a row. Now it's almost like, hey, instead of us being the hunted, now we're the hunters. And there's a different mindset when you do that, especially going into enemy territory and saying, like, hey, we're coming for you. It's not you're coming for us, we're coming for you. And psychologically, it's a lot different, especially when you travel 70 guys, you're in a away locker room, you don't have all the distractions that you do when you play a home game. It's not senior day. It's just completely different.
0: I think that part's really important to keep in mind, Zach, that like, whatever happens in the previous 11 weeks, I think when they get to that one, you look at this roster, the captains, the veterans, the seniors, they don't have something that you have. They don't have a set of gold pants. Like because of what happened with Jim Harbaugh and, and dodging things in, in 2020, uh, you know that game didn't exist. That's three years without a win for Ohio State. That that's just the reality of it. Well, they would have lost a hundred to zero in that game. It was the biggest spread in the history of the game. Michigan knew what was coming to it that week. But it doesn't matter. Like you, did, they didn't give them gold pants because they didn't go out and earn it. So there's if a. Did they give them one leg? Could you get one leg? Like I thought a COVID leg. We'll I thought you they should have like belt a gold belt. I thought they should have and just put the point spread on it. Like oh, that'd be good. Yeah,
4: you're good. Buy them. It was like 38 and half. and a half. Maybe? We'll get a collection going to buy yeah. twenty twenty. There's enough gold yeah. 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 socks. I don't think gold but, socks. But here's the point, Doug. I don't think they want it.
0: Right? They want to earn it. You don't want to be handed anything in the rivalry, or that would diminish the importance of it. So these guys, you know, think about Marvin Harrison. If he were to leave after three seasons playing and have no Big Ten championship ring, no set of gold pants, no national championship, which, you know, the third part can can happen without the first two. I get that. But that's the motivation. There may have been some complacency that crept into 2021, and then they may have overcorrected in some respects and maybe – not in others, but they didn't get it done in 2022.
1: Well, some of these guys, this is the last chance they're going to have. I'll also say there's something to be said about getting punched in the mouth. right? You look at 2021, it was such a young team. um, And those guys had been on a high for all the success they had had. Granted, they had lost some Final Four games, but hey, it's the Final Four, right? It's college football playoff. When you get into last year's team, I still think there was a sense of – Hey, we're, we're the Ohio State Buckeyes. We're going to roll through this, and you saw that you know eleven and zero going into the Michigan game, and then still you got punched in the mouth, and then again the we already talked about it, but the defeat against Georgia I think is just like heart wrenching. So many of those guys came back because of that feeling, like hey, listen, we've gotten punched in the mouth, now we want to throw some punches. And so there's something to be said when you have a team that has that mindset. Like I said, you're the hunters instead of being the hunted. And so many of those guys now know what it's like to taste that defeat, to uh, you know, kind of have that, heart, that heart-throbbing that heart defeat.
4: Now they're ready to go at them. I want to end on this point for the Ohio State-Michigan game. I, just, I think we have to brush on it. I will be surprised if Ohio State is not in the right frame of mind for the Michigan game. I also think it's possible Ohio State could be there mentally, could be there emotionally. They're the most talented team in the country and not win because I think Michigan's very good. So I think there's two things at play. Do you get the best version of Ohio State? I think that's a must for this program. And I think it's that will happen, but also Michigan's good. Like, like, how do we try to, we don't have to do that all the way right now, Landis, because it's not November. But we have to remember that too—that Michigan's still part of this equation, and they're good at football. Yeah, I don't—I don't know that Michigan
2: has um, quite used their recent success to their advantage as much as they should have, or, or should have been expected to, in terms of roster building. But they are very good. They're—they're they're, at least on offense. They're like much better than they've been on offense. So I think in the last decade, um, a different kind of quarterback. Maybe you can make the argument they're a little. Less than on defense, they lost some guys. Like the last two years, they lost a lot of dudes. And they have to show an ability to, I guess, re-up that the way that Ohio State has. So I think you're right. I think all that can happen, but Michigan's still very good, and Michigan can still win. This talent gap is still pretty wide on paper. So if they come correct, Ohio State, I think it could. Like we've seen some of the urban teams, right? They they put a whooping on them because the talent gap showed up that day. I think that's also possible. The scary part is I think this year on paper –
1: and from what they have coming back, this is probably the most talented Michigan team in the last 25 years. If you look at it, the amount of depth, the amount of talent that they have, especially on the offense side of the ball, and, yeah, they've lost some guys on defense, but they still have a really solid defense. Their one weak link is maybe the corner opposite of Will Johnson, but outside of that, this is the, the strongest team Michigan has had in a very long time.
0: You're just saying that because Rachel's over there now.
1: No, I say – hey, <laughs> She, she should be wor- worried for our marriage if Michigan wins again this year. It will not be good. Wow.
4: Let's tell Ryan Day that. We tell the truth on this show, yeah, folks. Oh, my
1: gosh. She'll tell you. I won't be going to Thanksgiving. Nothing.
4: <laughs> Ryan, Zach really needs you guys to win this one. That'll motivate him. Okay. We are going to now move in to our season prediction part of this. We're going to talk about holistically the entire Ohio State season, and we're going to start it. With Zach Boren, we're going to talk about everyone's going to give their reason for optimism about this team, the, the reason for concern, and then make a record prediction. So, Zach, w- what are you most optimistic about for the Ohio State Buckeyes this year? What I'm most optimistic
1: about, and I hope I'm not taking the easy way out on this one, is the depth of this team. We saw last year, especially coming down the stretch, and we saw it in 2021, that you know guys get sick, there's some injuries, there's a big drop-off. And I think this year more than ever, besides really the quarterback position, even on the offensive line, and people are saying it's then there are some solid backups on the offensive line. So when you, when you talk about depth and what you're able to put out there, those guys are deep, and they are strong, and those guys, there's not a huge talent gap from first to second string like we've seen in the past. I think, especially down the stretch in the Big Ten, especially knowing that, hey, our bye week is the last week of September, which is an awful bye week, but you hope for, you know, middle to end of October is always a great one, but the end of September, there's a stretch run there where you are in the thick of it, especially Penn State, Wisconsin, then you, you know, Minnesota, who knows how they're going to be Michigan State, and obviously Michigan, that's a tough, like, six-game six, six game ending of the schedule, What's going to happen when guys get dinged up? Are you going to put, Are you able to going to put guys out there on the defensive line at linebacker in the secondary? That those guys can be able to go out there and play.
4: Like I know Landis, when we were doing the talent thing, you went like what top thirty eight or something on this team. Like you, you saw the depth of talent too, right? Yeah, thir- thirty eight was the number I landed on. That
2: included both quarterbacks. So I guess it's more thirty seven to be fair. Um, thirty three of them were blue chips. The average recruiting ranking of those 37 players was like 125 in the country, like a high-end four-star prospect. It is pretty deep. Probably It's probably as deep as it's been since I've been covering the team going back
4: to 2014. It makes me like a little crazy when you have a guy like C.J. Hicks as a second-year player who doesn't, does, he's not going to start, they're trying to find a role for him. But I guess on the other hand, if it's like, oh, C.J. Hicks is a backup, it's like, okay, well, you must be pretty good then. Right. Uh,
1: yeah. Quite honestly, I don't know. I, I mean, just thinking out, I don't know how C.J. Hicks sees the field unless a guy gets injured. And that's not me knocking on C.J. Hicks. I think he's a phenomenal player. I've stood next to him in person. And I'm like, my God, I, I wish I was built like that, you know, but. Yeah, I also wish I was built like that, Zach. You don't have to tap me on the shoulder. Uh, I know. But hey, Mister uh, High School Golfer, do you wish you were built like CJ Hicks? But, but yes,
4: usually, I usually I I'm right next to him, and I take the brunt. Yeah, so I don't want I'm to, nice to him. I know.
2: That's why I have the buffer here
0: tonight, Tux.
1: But I, I don't see a path how CJ Hicks get on gets on the field now. Maybe if it's passing downs, you're playing a spread team, I could see them throwing him out there. But how do you
4: take Tommy and Steele off the field? I don't. I I don't know how you do. Sometimes a good way to judge a team is how good your second team is. Like, we're talking Correct. about that, which what you're saying. All right, concerns. What, what could be a thing that is a concern? It's got to be quarterback, right?
1: I'm, I mean, I hate to take that one, too. It's so easy. But um, that's probably where I worry about the most, and – you know, with this schedule going on the road to Notre Dame week four, like that's where I get worried is what's a first year starting quarterback going to do if you face some adversity in a big time matchup with an offense that can put up some points. Um, and I made the joke earlier, like, hey, if the defense doesn't give up any points. You're going to go undefeated, right? I hate to say it. There might be some games this year where Ohio State might run the ball. Thirty or forty times, and when's the last time we saw that? I mean, it's been a long time since probably the Urban days, right, where they actually had thirty or forty. With Twenty-five of them were JT Barrett, no doubt, no, no, no doubt. Um, but that's uh, that's the one thing that maybe worries me a little bit. That if you do get behind in a game and you need the quarterback to go out there and come from behind and make some big plays, like we've seen C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields and Dwayne Haskins do year over
4: year, what's going to happen when you get in those situations? I mean, I th- the Oregon game in 2021, right, C.J. Stroud didn't lose that game. He threw for 350 yards, but Ryan Day's talked about this. 500 the, yards. The defense wasn't good enough. The run game wasn't good enough, and you wind up in a situation where you're losing, and C.J. has the ball for a final drive and throws a pick, and it's like he at that point wasn't ready to be that quarterback. That situation, if you get caught there, it's not that Devin Brown or Kyle McCord won't be that – but if they have to be that in week four, are they ready to be that quarterback? You brought up a great point, the Oregon game, right? CJ
1: Stroud went off. He didn't lose in that game. But to your point, first-year starter, what are you going to do? Facing some adversity, you got to make a big play. you got to lead the team down the field. If you need a two-minute situation, if you need anything from that standpoint where a veteran quarterback is so good, what happens?
4: If you we would add Stetson Bennett or
0: Kane Stober. Or if they hadn't missed an obvious pass interference call. Wanted to work
4: Stets embedded in the show at some point. All right. We are going to ask you for a record. What do you think? Whatever you want to say about Ohio State season, at the very least a regular season record, if you want to go beyond that, feel free.
1: Um, regular season, that's a tough one. Um I wasn't. I wasn't prepared for this, but it's on the uh, sheet. It I, says I,
4: predicted I, record I I three minutes the back, right I, I there didn't on the, the sheet. Back sheet. He, I asked, I, he asked I, me I how he needed to prepare sheet. for the show, and I, I didn't know. send him that. Uh, I didn't I handed you a sheet. See, you're the organizer. You said I'm a winger.
1: I, I know. I only read the first page, <laughs> not the second. Um, you want to know some? I I really truly want to say twelve and zero. Uh, my gut tells me eleven and one, but I'm gonna go twelve and zero. I, I truly think this team's gonna come out and, and win every game. And, and like the it. only reason why isn't uh, isn't because of last year because I thought last year they were gonna outscore every single team. I think this year that this defense is going to be so much better than what people have seen. The 2019 defense comes to mind of how good and deep it was. I think this defense is going to give that 2019 defense a run for its money.
4: He's Zach Boren. He's a great Buckeye. He was kind enough to join us out here. at. He Land also Brand, knows what it takes to go 12-0. and So if he, he says does, it's going to happen. He does. You did. Oh, you're... You just had twelve and zero every Doug, year. You, then. you interviewed me I my did. twelve and zero year.
1: I think I did multiple I inter-
4: times. I also interviewed you one time, and I was like, "Hey, you're a fullback. Uh, wouldn't it be cool if you moved the defense at some point?" And then you moved the defense like six weeks later, and didn't give me a heads up. I wasn't allowed to talk to the media yeah, that okay. week. Okay, well,
1: no I wasn't. He did. That give, was a true he did
0: give some people a heads up, but
4: not me. Won't say uh. him. He is uh, Zach Bourne. Thanks so much for being out here. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Jeremy Birmingham will be back up here. And Bill, Austin, Berm, and I will give our predictions for the season next on the podcast. And we are back on the podcast. Doug, Austin, Landis, and Berm. We're going to give our reasons for optimism, our reasons for concern, predicted record, and then we'll get you guys out of here. Berm, we'll start with you. What are you most optimistic about for the Buckeyes? Um,
3: it's the most talented team in the country. Why
4: I've heard that great analysis.
3: How does it compare to Georgia? (laughs) I've talked a lot in the last 10 days about Travion Henderson and why I think he will be back to the Travion Henderson we saw in 2021 as a freshman. And I think that opportunity to have a truly dynamic, explosive running game coupled with these wide receivers is what I'm most excited about. I think that he's healthy and he's going to be back to what he was. And if that's the case, I, I don't think anyone will slow down this offense.
4: We have to remember in every analysis of last season that their entire running back room got hurt and they couldn't run the ball, and that that probably is not going to happen again, Austin.
0: It does get, I think, forgotten because so many things had to go against Ohio State in the second half, uh, or or even in the buildup to it with Travion Henderson already being out. But we focus a lot on Marvin Harrison and the targeting that was overturned. But even before that, you had Travion out, as I mentioned. Mayan Williams was banged up. He was not healthy. That impacted the running game. Uh, you had Cade Stover get knocked out. That impacted the blocking plus another option to throw the ball. Uh, you, you're trying to go down the field, and C.J. Stroud is doing everything he can in the fourth quarter, and as much as we all love and appreciate what Xavier Johnson provides, that was like the last gasp hope. Forget about Jackson not being in there because that was the whole season, but you know, five of the weapons that you were going to be counting on offensively were not there and CJ's trying to move them down, gets them close enough to kick a field goal. We can argue if they could have done anything else different once they got into that point, but there were so many other things just purely from a personnel standpoint. When you're going head-to-head against Georgia and you're looking at that that talent number, well, Ohio State was playing with a short deck in the second half, and they still nearly beat them. And I, I think sometimes that gets underappreciated, the amount of challenges that were thrown their way and the fact that Ohio State still nearly pulled it off.
4: All right, Berm, um, reason for concern.
3: Uh, I mean, all offseason it's been the offensive line, uh, and I, even though I feel a lot more confident in that now than I did four weeks ago, I still think that's the area because, as, as you've talked about, there's a lot of depth across this roster except at the offensive line and especially not at tackle that I think is quality depth that you can run out there and win a national championship with. So to me, it's about, A, Josh Simmons and Josh Fryer emerging as true bookend tackles that you can count on play in, play out, but then making sure that you don't have any injuries there in a position that is oftentimes, you know, injury filled because it's so physical. But I, I just don't feel like there's a lot of confidence in the guys behind them. And if you get down to that, that's a problem because it will short circuit everything else. It can be
4: easy to forget how important offensive line health is just in checking on the 2014 talent for Ohio State. The five offensive linemen for the Buckeyes in 2014 all played more than a thousand snaps. They were healthy on the offensive line all year. And usually when you find the most successful Ohio State seasons, more often than not, you'll find that. Urban Urban's start of his career as Ohio State. Remarkable health on the offensive line. He was incredibly blessed.
0: Uh, I think that year was three in a row, the first three for Urban Meyer, where nobody was missing a start due to injury. I think that may have even continued in 2015, to some extent i don't know how long it lasted but he was he was fortunate and lucky those first few teams that he had did not have tremendous step and they weren't tested they were lucky that they got through it you had reed Fragel starting every single game for that zach Bourne 2012 team after converting from tight end like if that hadn't worked out it could have got pretty
2: dicey in a hurry i think they were more or less healthy from the start on the offensive line from the start of urban's tenure right up until the 2016 fiesta bowl against clemson and uh
4: no, so, didn't work out well. Didn't work out after that. Uh, we will bring up 2016 again hit. in a bit. Landis, what's your reason for optimism this year? Jim Knowles'
2: track record um, in year two as a defensive coordinator. If you go back and look at Duke, look at Oklahoma State, they made pretty tangible, large jumps, just sort of statistically. And neither one of those defenses started from anywhere close to where Ohio State is starting off certainly in terms of talent but also just in terms of baseline production from last year I know that the things got away from them a little bit Michigan and the Georgia games you can question some play calls I I know I do and it's fair to um, overall body of work defensively I thought was very good last year and and there were you felt the defense more they were more physical um, probably didn't make enough plays in the backfield but made more I think affected quarterbacks more I think all that gets ratcheted up this year Um I, I believe in in the the idea of the system just kind of taking hold a little more, guys getting more comfortable, and uh, a defensive system that has been as productive as it has been under Jim Knowles. Now with this kind of talent, all the guys they have coming back, I I struggle to find a path to them being anything better than like very, or anything worse than very good.
4: It feels like a lot of people are on that year two of the Knowles. Is there any reason to not think that's going to be true? Like, hey, year two of Knowles, track record, yeah, of
3: course they'll be better. College football isn't about defense anymore. I think that's the biggest reason for me. You you would talk about that Michigan game and that Georgia game ad nauseum. Georgia gave up a thousand yards to LSU and Ohio State in those, in the SEC championship game and the Peach Bowl. Michigan gave up 54 point, 55 points to TCU. I mean, and people rant and rave about how great Michigan's defense is. They gave up 50, they gave up half a hundo to TCU. So I just don't think the defense is where you win championships anymore. I think you have to get three or four stops. Is Zach coming I on stage? Zach, I mean, Zach so is breaking Zach. out in the
0: hives over there. Oh my I'm goodness! Sorry.
3: I think you We're have to okay. get three or four stops, three or four key stops in the in the games against elite talent equated teams. Three or four stops, and that's how you win. You're not going to see ten to seven championship games anymore. I think you're going to see a lot of those forty five to forty two games.
2: I, I agree with that. Uh, Doug and I did a whole podcast about how important is defense. I don't watch your
3: show. What's now, it called?
2: You should check it out. It's called Kings of Columbus. It's, it's on the podcast feed. It's very long. It's, it's produced by Byrne. He's a good but guy. That doesn't mean that he watches it. That's yeah. true. He just fires it up on the internet and sees what, what happens. Um, I think it's about generating havoc, turnovers, um, splash plays, that kind of stuff. And I Ohio State's defense did not do enough of that last year. has not really done enough of it for like three years since 2019, really. Um, so go back four years now. I thought I saw enough progress last year that makes me optimistic that they're going to be a more havoc generating defense this year. All
4: right, Landis, what's your reason for
2: concern? Offensive line? Like I, I don't, I don't know what it could be besides that. Wait, I thought you were in love with Josh Fryer. I, Josh Fryer is my guy. I'm riding for him. I think it's his reason for optimism and
0: his reason for concern. It's I, his I, reason
2: for living. I contain Josh Fryer. multitudes. Um, I, I like Josh Fryer a whole lot. I, I will be the guy who pounds the table for Josh Fryer. Um, doesn't mean he's going to be awesome. Like, just because I think he's good doesn't mean he's going to be. Uh, I worry about the left tackle position. We have not talked about center. <laughs> like, we just talked so much about
3: the tackle position. Like, they're starting a brand new center. Top a guy, 100 player Carson Hinsman. You don't yeah. need to worry about guys who are top 100 players. They never, ever end up, uh, being bad players. He was like 250
2: pounds last year. <laughs> now he's going to play center in the Big Ten. Like, it's, it's a thing. I, if I had the, my, my belief is that they will be good enough up front. Um, on the offensive line this year um, spoiler alert I guess for my record prediction in a few minutes but that is the that is the area I'm not worried about quarterback whoever plays is going to be good I don't think they're going to mess it up I don't think Ryan Day and Brian Hartline are going to get in each other's way when it comes to play calling so then what else is there
4: besides the offensive line I do think it's worth a reminder people like to put out stats from NFL preseason that are mostly meaningless but Dewan Jones and Luke Whipler in Cleveland as fourth and sixth round picks had excellent preseasons and Paris Johnson is being Paris Johnson in Arizona. It is a reminder. Those three guys were awesome last year. Like they didn't, I they didn't just lose their starting tackles and a center. Like I Austin, they lost excellent starting tackles in the center. Yeah. Well, they lost three NFL players and that's, that's
0: a big deal. One of them before they were ready to lose him another that's Luke Whippler, another in Dewan Jones who could have returned for another year and imagine how, much differently we'd be talking about this Ohio State offensive line if he was back. Uh, so that's that is a big deal. Now they were also coached by Justin Fry for a year. He doesn't get credit for their entire development, but he helped finish it off. He got a lot out of Luke Whipple, or he got a lot out of Dewan Jones last year. So I think, you know, you you look at Justin Fry's track record, the way that other people in the coaching profession talk about him, like you should have enough raw material plus quality coaching with him and Mike Celini to to get these guys to unleash their potential. But to Bill's point, you, you still don't know. You still have to go out there and do it week after week after week in the Big Ten. And to your other point, Doug, you have to stay healthy enough to go do it.
4: So you think it will be a big loss for Ohio State when Ohio State beats Indiana by 50 and Justin Fry is Indiana's head coach next year?
0: That's not the ideal scenario for Ohio State, no. Yeah, it's
4: going to half him. Okay, Austin, reason for optimism. Yeah, I think Marvin Harrison
0: Jr. by himself, but the wide receiver unit as a whole is far and away the best, not just the best wide receiver group, it is the best position unit in the entire country. And when you watch Marvin Harrison Jr. work, and we've talked a lot about the offensive line and new quarterbacks and the difficulty, and I mentioned it about an hour ago, what helps you is having truly elite wide receivers. You're not going to have to make a lot of hard throws. There's no one in the country that can cover Marvin Harrison. period. And even if you do somehow do it, like Michigan State did, he's going to pull off an alien Gumby move at the end zone and score. You can't stop it. So that is a huge deal, and it shouldn't be taken for granted. And maybe Ohio State fans already know this because they were so excited, and I was too, to watch what Jackson Smith and Jigba could do a year ago, and it was gone like that. Didn't get a chance to see it. You don't want that to happen. I'm knocking on wood for Marvin Harrison Jr. and his own health, but it shouldn't be taken for granted when you get to watch greatness. You should appreciate every opportunity you get. Uh, Bill and and Berm and I have both talked about this. The number of times that, Doug, you've been in there to watch him just practice on the Monarch. It is absolutely a sight to behold. Even watching him practice is cool. So that you get 12 guaranteed opportunities, health being what it is, maybe 15, to watch this guy do it for one more year. He's one of the greatest ever to walk through the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. And I'm going to appreciate it because of the Jackson situation, but also because he deserves a year that Jackson didn't get. It's making me emotional.
4: I know. It's real. Listen. Preach. That deserves applause because it is easy to take greatness for granted, for land granted. And that's not what. We should do. Like, you can't be in the business of that to freak out over every little thing that goes wrong and be like, yeah, Marvin had 1,800 receiving yards, whatever. So, we sometimes have to stop and do that. I can remember when Greg Oden was here for one basketball season early in that year, looking up at like a half empty shot and sort of yelling at the, the empty upper deck, saying, like, Do you people not realize what this is? He's going to be gone.
0: Your voice just bounced right back at you, too, because it was so empty.
4: Watch, watch this and appreciate this. Marv is special. Concern, Austin. Regular uh, listeners and
0: watchers of the podcast will know that my concern is about not playing the best players in the best moments. That's mostly targeted specifically to the defensive line. And I think that there's been give and take about that. I understand Larry Johnson's desire to have guys healthy into the fourth quarters of games and to play 15 games. I can't argue with it, and he is a legendary position coach. Who am I? I am not that. I just don't like watching a team have first and ten on their five-yard line and Ohio State having their second and third team defensive linemen out there. It put them in bad situations multiple times, and not just against Notre Dame, but also against teams they should be bullying in the trenches, like Northwestern, where it nearly came back to bite them. I Zach Bourne and I talk about this all the time. You want your best players to decide the outcome, and that can happen in the first quarter. It can happen in the second quarter. It doesn't have to be in the second half of games. So maybe you don't play JT until he pukes. Maybe Mike Hall doesn't play 55 snaps. Maybe Jack Sawyer is not ready to play every single third down of consequence. I don't know that. Larry Johnson is much more qualified to make that decision than I am. But if there are high-leverage situations, Ohio State is absolutely giving its giving itself its best chance to win when JT is on the field, when Mike Hall is on the field, when a healthy, motivated Tyreek Williams is is causing problems on the inside, when Jack Sawyer or Kenyatta Jackson, whoever, whoever you decide it to be, they need to be on the field when the game is on the line, and that doesn't have to mean in the
4: second half. That has been discussed. Ryan Day made it sound like that was going to happen. Berm, do you think that will happen more this year? No.
3: (laughs) I tried. Doug, what about you? A uh, Reason for optimism, where do you go? I
4: walked off the field with Tim Walton one day, and I was trying to talk to Tim Walton about, could these three corners be maybe something like the 2016 corners with Marshawn Lattimore, Garyon Conley, and Denzel Ward? And Tim Walton basically told me to chill out, man. But like Maybe a little bit of a light version of that. And I think to have three corners like Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock, and Davis and Nick Bignosen that you can play all three. You can rotate. You can keep them fresh. They all, they have different skill sets that complement each other. I think we will see the best across the board, even better than Okuda and Arnett. I think in 19, I think the best across the board. Cornerback play at Ohio State that we've seen since 2016.
2: I think that's the kind of stuff that unlocks what I was talking about. The, the more plays in the backfield, the cornerback play has um, like not been sticky, for lack of a better word. Like guys have been sort of comfortably open, and quarterbacks have been able to get the ball, ball away in a half second before they get sacked or even less than that. And, and a lot of the defensive linemen have expressed frustration with that point. Like, they feel like they got off the ball well. They felt they were right there, and the, the ball was just gone. Like, they couldn't get the sack. That's on the secondary. As much as it is on the defensive line, that's on the secondary. And I agree with you. I think that this corner group is going to get them back to where they have been, you know, in, in, you know not that long ago when they were causing quarterbacks confusion with just how good they were in coverage, and then everyone up front eats.
4: Concern, Doug? I talk about I talk about the tackles for a hundred minutes on a previous show, so I'm not gonna do it here. I just think a world where you take a guy who's a right tackle at San Diego State and you say he's gonna be the starting left tackle at Ohio State, and it's like, oh, was he the best tackle in the Mountain West last year? It's like, no, he wasn't. He was the lowest graded tackle in the Mountain West. It's like, ah, I'm sure it'll be fine. I just it's not about Josh Simmons. It's about the situation that Ohio State put itself in. And I don't know that he won the left tackle job. I just don't think they had anyone else to put there. Well, that's where Paris Johnson was supposed to be. I know. I said the plan was beg Paris to stay, and it didn't work. Well, they tried. I I had, uh, I won't say who,
2: a former Ohio State assistant coach, very important one, long time ago. Oh, Billy Davis. Oh, Billy Davis. uh, Called me on Saturday night and left me a three-minute voicemail about
4: how Doug is wrong about Josh Simmons. So uh, take that for whatever it's worth, And that is the first time anyone has ever left a voicemail saying that I'm wrong. (laughs) All right. So that's out there. Best of luck to them. I'm happy to be wrong. I just think it's an unusual situation for Ohio State to be sort of this desperate at tackle. It's not normally what they do here. Let's make record predictions. I'll go first. I think two Big Ten teams make the playoff. I'm not going to pretend I know exactly how it's going to shake out with Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan right now. I think this schedule is too hard to go 12-0. and I think the 2016 schedule is a decent reference. Wisconsin was in the top 10 when Ohio State beat them. Oklahoma on the road in that non-conference game was very highly ranked. Ohio State beat them. Michigan, it was a 2-3 game, right? And they beat Michigan and they lose at Penn State and they make the playoff because they played a great schedule. I think... At Notre Dame, at Wisconsin, at Michigan, and home for Penn State, I think it's hard to win all four of those. So I don't know for sure which one it is, but I think Ohio State's 11-1, and one,
3: and I think that gets them in the playoff. Berm, what's your prediction? Uh, also 11-1. and one. Uh, I, I'm going to drill down, and I think they will lose at Wisconsin. Uh, they play Penn State the week before. It's always the most physical game on the schedule for Ohio State. It's going to be, at night, hyper-emotional in Columbus. Um, I, I think that you go to Wisconsin at night, Luke Fickle, his first chance against Ohio State, uh, that's a tough spot to play in a normal year. You put all those factors into it, I think that that will be a upset in, in Madison. But I think Ohio State will beat Penn State and beat Michigan and make the playoff.
4: Landis? Uh,
2: I am on record with 12-0. Uh, I... Don't disagree with anything
4: you said about the schedule. No one, no one ever claps for eleven and one. No I like one ever I, clas- I like clas- to
2: pander to our people. Um, I, I at Notre Dame is tough. Like I I but you think Sam Hartman is terrible. I think Sam Hartman is handsome and an okay quarterback. Um, I don't think their defensive line is very good. It's not nearly as good as it was last How year. How many
3: points is handsome worth? Three. Three.
2: Three right. months. Um, I just don't. I don't. I don't think that game ends up being as difficult as we're envisioning. I think Wisconsin is tricky due to the location. I do not know what to make of that team and like their offensive transition they're doing there with the half air raid, half uh, Barry Alvarez stuff. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like. I believe in Luke Fickle. I just don't know if I believe in him this year. So I think that's a win. Don't trust James Franklin as far as I can throw him. So Sorry. he's not going to win that game. Penn State alum Bill Landis. That's right. Um,
0: and he just got them on
2: his side. I Why did it? you do yeah, that? yeah. yeah. Uh, trying to get I, him back on our side. <laughs> I think they figured it out against Michigan this year. Um, I know I said the thing about them finding a way to lose two different ways is not all that inspiring, uh, but if Ryan Day can bottle up what he became in the Georgia game and extrapolate it over this season and make sure he brings it to Ann Arbor, which I think he will, they win that game. Oh, no. Playoff. Lose the national championship. Sorry. Austin, predicted record to you? sick I'm kind of torn when I thought
0: about it. That it's easy to say eleven and one, and just something
4: weird's going to pop up across the course of the year. But it's exactly what I said, and you're just like being dismissive. I,
3: well, I'm just talking about me. It's okay. easy for him to say; it's hard for you to. So say.
0: you're picking nine and three. <laughs> I think so. But if you're going to do that, and Berm drilled down, he picked it. I'm going through the schedule, and I'm I've been told repeatedly. Ohio State is the most talented blue-chip roster in the country. And if you go through one by one, I would want to know which one it really was going to be. If I was going to say, it's got to be 11-1, and I just don't think it is because I don't think that Notre Dame can beat Ohio State. I don't think especially that James Franklin can beat Ohio State in the horseshoe. I think everything we talked about uh, in the game this year is about to turn the other direction. This team is far too motivated for that. I think Wisconsin is a massive challenge, probably bigger than um, maybe that gets credit for when you nationally, if you look at the schedule. But I know how long it took Luke Fickle to change that culture. I, I believe in him and Brady Collins, their strength coach, the two guys who know what it takes to build a program in the image of Ohio State. But it doesn't happen overnight, and it didn't happen at Cincinnati overnight. They'll make things difficult, but I don't think that they are good enough one through eighty-five. To beat Ohio State, and the truth is nobody is, because Ohio State's going to go fifteen and zero.
3: I was going to. If the Buckeyes make the playoff, they're winning the national championship this year. I don't see, I don't see the heartbreaking Clemson slash Georgia type loss. If they get there, if they take care of that Michigan monkey on their back in late November, they're winning the national championship.
4: The the other blue bloods are vulnerable, right? I mean, I think Georgia with trying to replace an offensive coordinator and a new quarterback. We talked about Bama. Clemson has a new coordinator, but Clemson hasn't been Clemson. Like, it's a good chance that if Ohio State gets there, they're going to face a program that's not as good as Ohio State's program. Now, could LSU or Washington or Texas or Florida State on a one-off? You know, I don't know. But this is – I'm glad we ended with you, Austin, 15-0. and Let's quickly go out to our loyal people. The sun has gone down. We still have our people watching us here. Your choices are going to be undefeated Ohio State, whatever that means to you, or they lose a game in the regular season. Those are your two choices. We'll start with lose a game in the regular season. Make some noise. Oh, yeah, look at that Dead silence. I got silence. him fired up, baby.
3: Let's go undefeated Ohio State make some noise <laughs> Doug. Can I ask you one question before we sign off here? Ohio State's replacing a quarterback and an offensive coordinator and everyone in the national media landscape makes it out to be the most challenging thing in college football. Georgia's doing the same thing. Alabama's doing the same thing. Clemson's doing the same thing and nobody gives a crap. Why is that? That's, well, a different, about,
4: that's a different podcast, Berm.
3: Yeah. Well, you guys want to
4: go another 90? We can go to another 90 right no, no. now if you want to.
3: Here's we the thing. you got to talk to
4: the people at Land Grant. Clemson, Georgia, and Alabama are actually replacing their offensive coordinators. Garrett Riley, that's a new system at Clemson. Uh, Mike Bobo, they're doing the same kind of thing at Georgia, but like I don't know how good he's got. He's done it before. I don't think he's very good. And Tommy Reese from Notre Dame is completely new. Ohio State. Ryan Day is the offensive coordinator, no matter who the offensive coordinator is. So like exactly. that's the thing about it. It's, exactly. it's a completely different situation what we're talking about with those other teams. But, so I can't answer for what everyone they says. They're wrong. They're wrong. We'll come back. Figured it out. To listen to that conversation yeah. on the podcast daily for Wednesday. So we will bring you the podcast daily. We'll bring you Kings of Columbus, Bermanology, Dropping Stuff, Buckeye Q will be coming down the line. Zach Bourne will be back for that. Snappy Jays. We, we got it all. We have it all on the podcast feed, and we couldn't do it without you guys. So thanks to everybody listening on pod. Thanks to everybody watching on YouTube. But thanks most of all to everybody who came out to Land Grant Brewing. Make some noise for yourself. You are the most loyal, the podcast, and the, and the Ohio State football fans in Columbus. Congratulations to you guys. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks to Zach Boren for Jeremy Birmingham Austin Ward, and Bill Landis. I'm Doug LaMaurice. And that was the live podcast at Land Grant Brewing.